Crazy Talk is part of the AudioWorks Podcast Network. Other podcasts on the network include the Five Film Death Punch podcast, a twice-monthly interview exploring guests' five favourite films, and the AudioWorks podcast, weekly long-form interviews with interesting, successful and funny people. You can find out more at audio-works.co.uk. And welcome to Crazy Talk, a podcast all about mental health. This is episode eight. My name is Meg and I'll be your host for the podcast. Before I get stuck into this week's topic, I just wanted to recap on a couple of things I've seen this week that have been sent to me that might be of some relevance or interest to you guys who are listening. Uh, so first of all, um, if you enjoyed episode... Ooh, probably episode five, I think it was, um, with Alex Vucic, where she talked about what it's like living with a partner with a mental health condition. The Guardian actually put out um, an article this past weekend called Seven Ways to Cope with a Depressed Partner. And as far as articles about mental health go, this one was actually pretty good. I posted it on the Crazy Talk Facebook page, so head over there and you'll find a link to that. That's a pretty good read might be of interest to you. Secondly, um, Josh Ashrop, who runs the Audio Works Podcast Network, always sends me really interesting and relevant stuff. And this week he sent me a link to um, an episode of uh, the Joe Rogan Experience, which is a really great podcast. If you're into podcasts, it should be on your list of things to listen to. It's really, really good. Uh, episode number 921 which was with MMA legend Dominic Cruz and around the 45 minute mark he touches a little bit on his mental state and his experience with depression it's really interesting and particularly if you're into MMA or sports definitely uh, give it a listen I'll post the link to that on the Facebook page as well Finally, I uh, received a message um, a couple of weeks ago, shortly after I put out the medication episode, and I thought it was great, and um, Katie Higgins, who sent it to me, gave me permission to read out her message, so this is what it said. Katie said, I take medication for mental illness, bipolar disorder, and was on a combination of different SSRIs for almost a decade before I was correctly diagnosed. I feel like there's still so much taboo around taking medication. Even in the mental health community, people still seem to view it as something that shouldn't be permanent. And I've been made to feel so many times that I'm not handling my disorder correctly because I rely on medication rather than other therapies. As my disorder is something that is directly related to chemical imbalances, honestly, I found that it's pretty resistant to other types of therapy. And I'm still coming to terms with the idea that I'll probably be on medication for the rest of my life. I've had a similar experience to you in that finding the correct combination of medication has literally saved my life. So it frustrates me when people view medication as a temporary thing rather than a viable way of handling mental illness. 
So thank you for sending me that, Katie. It really made my day to hear that you kind of agreed with the stuff that I said and to kind of hear from another person who's had a positive experience with taking medication for a mental health condition. So thanks for that. And please, um, if anyone else who's listening to this has any kind of experiences or stories that they want to share please do just drop me a message I've said it before I'll say it again I can keep it anonymous if you want it's just really nice to be able to offer some different kind of perspectives and stuff on the issues that we talk about on this podcast so this week's episode well something actually caught my eye um, in the tv listings uh this week actually Wednesday the 1st of March so shortly after this episode goes out there is a program that's going to be on Channel 4 at 10pm called Under Lock and Key. And the description of the program is that thousands of young people with severe learning disabilities and autism are still locked up in hospitals despite government promises. How best can appropriate care be provided for people who need it? Now, being institutionalised is not something that I have any experience with. I don't know what it's like, but in my mind, I kind of relate it back to films I've seen in TV shows where it's painted as a really, really scary place to be. Maybe they are like that, maybe they aren't, but I just don't know because I don't have any experience with that. So I thought for this week's episode, I'd love to get somebody on who has some experience of that. Now, it's not going to be from the perspective of a patient. It's actually going to be from the perspective of a care professional. Andrew Convey, this week's guest, is one of my oldest friends, actually. I've known him for about 10 years, and he worked for a good, I don't know, maybe two or three years, if I remember correctly, at a psychiatric hospital, mental health care facility. I'm not really sure what the politically correct term is. Um, But yeah, he worked there for a good few years, and I'm not going to name the hospital he worked at. I don't want to get us into any hot water any kind of legal difficulties and obviously there's patient confidentiality and that sort of thing so we're not going to name any names or talk about any kind of people directly but I just thought it'd be really good to learn a bit more uh, about what it's really like to to be in that environment nowadays as opposed to the kind of American Horror Story, Girl Interrupted kind of asylums that I have in my mind of what it's actually like. So this is Andrew Convey talking to me about what it was like to work in a mental health care facility and care for people who require inpatient care for their condition. in the intro that I thought you'd work there for like two or three years but how long was it yeah Yeah. I thought it was I don't know if it was longer than that but three years and what did your role entail um so I was a HCA or healthcare assistant so day-to-day stuff like um you know getting patients ready for the day taking them to sessions um signing them out on leave because depending on the section you're on depends on what leave you get and yeah yours wasn't that 
high security, was it? Yeah, so I worked on a what they call a um, open secure. Yeah. Um, the place that I worked uh, has uh, three levels of security. So they have medium secure, low secure, um, and open or rehab. Yeah. Um, so I worked on the lowest secure men's service ward because the place <laughs> that I worked uh, deals with uh, men, women, adolescents, and brain injury. So right. specialises in those, those so four areas. So you were just areas. men? So I was just men, yeah. So you, unless you work on the bank, so you kind of work wherever, yeah. um, you are assigned to a service, essentially. Yeah. So I worked in men's service. What kind of... So what kind of... Um, conditions then did the people you were working with have like? uh yeah i mean it was a very broad spectrum um so schizophrenia bipolar um number of personality disorders um some of them with multiple yeah. um, mental health issues so some who had bipolar and schizophrenia or uh, autism and bipolar you know so it's a yeah. quite a quite a broad uh, broad spectrum of um yeah. there was no one because uh it the hospital does have specific autistic wards within men or they have, um, you know, specific... Well, they don't really have a specific schizophrenia ward, I suppose. But, yeah, they do have. They do, do autism or learning, um, yeah. learning difficulties. Yeah. So, like I said in the intro to the podcast, I don't have any experience in what it's like to be institutionalised. I've never mm-hmm. even been in a, like psychiatric hospital yep. apart from when I was like eight and my grandma who had Alzheimer's got yep. sectioned and put in uh an NHS hospital which if I mean that so that was like the late 90s and going in there it was like it was really scary actually and it's kind of like stayed with me since then but I guess nowadays it's not really like that is it it's not like you know yeah. people might often think of like the American Horror Story kind of asylum That's type exactly thing. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, my sort of uh, view of it would be that, you know, before yeah. working there. But um, no, I mean, uh, it's. I worked in one of the site itself is massive. Yeah. So in Northampton, <laughs> people work in like a couple places, and I've actually worked at two of them. So this hospital and nationwide. Yeah. So you, kind of, <laughs> yeah. you kind of end up working yeah. at a bunch. Um, but yeah, this. Uh, hospitals spread over quite a wide variety of, of, of grounds and stuff. So I, the main building itself has been there since the 1700s. It's always been a mental health yeah. um, hospital, like the, the whole time, or asylum, you know, if, yeah. if you want. It was formerly. Um, so the main old building probably isn't fit for purpose anymore, and hence why you see a lot of these new buildings popping up. And yeah, it's just to... like ad for admin. Now, yeah, now it? yeah, there's a there's a handful of wards there, um, or they're kind of extensions that they've they've built over. But I was in one of the sort of offshoot buildings. Um, it used to be actually weirdly, it used to be a private hospital within the grounds right um, okay so it was separate to the actual main hospital and then they took took it over so supposedly it was um like a a private rehab ward and apparently michael jackson was there once oh. probably ridiculous you know one nice of these name ridiculous... drop Do you want exactly to that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that was the one that always people always talk yeah. about but you know I, yeah. I very much doubt Michael Jackson was in Northampton, but you know. Yeah. So it's so it so it's an NHS hospital that you worked at. No, it's private. So it is private. It is private. It's completely private. Yeah. Essentially, the, the hospital specialises 
in the patients the NHS can't right, necessarily. Right, okay. So would you then assume that the quality of care there is probably higher than in an NHS? Yeah, I think so. I'd think so. I mean, I, I haven't worked in an yeah. NHS one, so I can't. The only one that I've experienced, which is the one that I went in to visit my nan, Mm. was an NHS hospital, and it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I've... Somebody I know, actually, well, like a friend of a friend, was briefly institutionalised not long ago in an NHS hospital, and... The stories I heard were not po- were not positive. Mm. It sounded like a really horrible place to be. But then, I know a lot of people who work in the hospital that you worked in, and their stories of what it's like there are like fairly positive. That mm-hmm. it's actually like yeah, quite um, quite a good place to be treated. I think um, I think you only ever hear the horror yeah, stories exactly. because that's the thing people want to hear about. You know, they never say to a... You, you never talk to a policeman and go, oh, did you have, like, a normal day where you rescued a cat? Yeah. Like, oh, no, who did you arrest? With yeah. some? So I think the same thing goes with working in a mental health environment, being like, oh, so what, What like, weird stuff did you see today? Yeah. And it's not like that at all, you know? Um, I mean, I'd take people to, like, Hunt Stanton on a day trip. Yeah. Or, you know, to home visits and stuff, or to the yeah. cinema, you know? So it's not... It's not you know, padded cells and, yeah. you know, uh, just people wandering the corridors. Um, so I think, yeah, you're going to hear the worst bits about it because that's the spicy stuff that yeah. everyone wants to hear about. Yeah. My my general day-to-day, nothing like that. If anything, if there ever was a uh, situation, it was a, like a rarity as opposed yeah. to a... So there's like a bit more of just a focus on like rehabilitating people yeah. and like getting them ready to exactly yeah live my, a normal life again. My ward specialised again. The mental health hospital spectrum is very wide, so I can only talk from you know working in a rehab yeah. ward. So yeah. again, me saying oh it's day to day normal is different for a person who worked in medium you know yeah. or low secure, um, but. Yeah, my ward specialised in, so when people um, had been sectioned and, you know, they were getting ready to go back into the community or to a hospital in their home area, they would come to us and, you know, some people didn't like it patient-wise because the the um, rules, if you want to call it that, or the kind of, like, structure isn't as much, it's a bit more independent and, yeah. you know, and so some people thrive in it. Or some people regress because they can't, they don't like it, and you know they 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 kind of relapse. Or some people just stay there for years, you know. So um, yeah. it's one of those kind of. It's like a a dip in the water, dipping your toe in the water to to go back yeah. home, you know. Okay, because like I I would imagine that there are facilities and possibly even in the medium secure wards at the hospital you worked at where there maybe are not necessarily padded cells, but, you know, stuff like that that's maybe for people who might be considered beyond rehabilitation? Um, I mean, again, I've never I've never worked in the medium side, yeah. but I have worked in low. So if, you know, you're ever short somewhere, you'd work in a different ward, or yeah. if there was an emergency, you'd go and help, or anything like that. Um, so there's what they call seclusion rooms, which right. is essentially just a, a blank room with a window. Um, 
but no padded cells, yeah. nothing like that. You yeah, know. I can't. I, I can't imagine it's like literal padded I mean, cells. But... Um, you know, there are areas where people can be managed with their behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nothing like a straitjacket and yeah. a padded cell. You know. Yeah, it's it's like it's interesting using the word like spectrum because I'd imagine that that's literally what it is. Like, I know that um, if I didn't have the support that I had when I was like really unwell. I could have quite easily ended up somewhere like mm-hmm. that if I didn't have, you know, a good family support network and, mm-hmm. you know, a good GP who yeah. took all the right steps with me. So I kind of understand that, especially on those, like, rehab boards, those people, you know, have every chance of getting better and, yeah. and yeah. you know, ending up like me, just living a normal yeah, life exactly. again. Well, they they, you know, you obviously manage your you know yeah. your um mental health and it's the same you know eventually people manage it you're never there's never a cure take this and it'll yeah all exactly be, it'll all be some done people just needed like that little bit of extra yeah. help yeah but then obviously with it being a spectrum there's obviously like another end of that mm. where there's i guess people who maybe are going to have to rely on inpatient treatment yeah. for the yeah, rest exactly. of their lives yeah but, home yeah. visits exactly um like managed accommodation yeah you know, in the community things okay things like that. yeah yeah so, I guess from what you're saying, I mean, I know you've told me stories where it hasn't all been nice there. No. But no. but by the sounds of it, like mostly it's um, quite positive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's 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 stories, but again, like I say, they're on the rare side as opposed to the everyday occurrence. Yeah. You know? And. Um, like, again, most of my time was going to sessions with patients, art sessions, music sessions, you know, um, there's like a cafe they work in, you yeah. know, and, and get used to sort of dealing with people, um, you know, taking patients for walks, taking yeah. to the gym, you know, anything, anything like that. So, yeah, yeah it's a good, um, a caring and, you know, constructive program, yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's cool then. So... You- Obviously, you worked there for three years. Mm-hmm. So, what? I guess working there for three years, it must have been quite enjoyable. Not necessarily. Yeah. What What kind of then led you to sort of be like, now nah, this isn't what I want to do anymore? Uh, well, I looked into doing my nurse training because I was only a H H C A H S A H C A. Sorry, H S A. No. HCA, sorry, God, what am I talking about? Healthcare assistant. Yeah. Um, and I looked into doing my, you know, my qualified nurse training. So you get, you do get a lot of people who start out as HCOs, enjoy it, go yeah. to the qualified nurse route. So I looked at, into doing that. Um, I suppose uh, I, for your listeners who don't know me or what I look like, I'm a big guy. Um, so I would be called upon if there ever was an issue. Um, you know, if anyone needed to be, you know, uh, assisted, if there was a sort of issue with anything, you know, because you do learn restraint training yeah. for the odd occasion that you, you need, you require it. And after a while of kind of being called a lot and sort of being relied on, it just really wasn't for me anymore um, in the sense of, I think I really enjoy the patient interactions, 
but I didn't enjoy always, you know, having to go into these stressful situations. Yeah, yeah it's probably and it just hard. stacked a bit more, a bit more on top. And I think realistically, I was like, you know what, this is the real nitty gritty sometimes, and maybe you know, my character doesn't enjoy that okay, as much. Okay, that's fair know. enough. Because I, like, I know I could never work somewhere like that, just because for me it would just be quite overwhelming dealing with people that I kind of relate to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I find that really difficult. And I know a couple of people. I mean, you said at the start, in our town, there's two places where basically everyone works and it's this hospital yeah, or nationwide. Or nationwide, or Barclay Card. Or Barclay Card. <laughs> yeah, so obviously I know a lot of people who work there and um, I've spoken to a few people who said, you know, it's hard because you're working with these people and you look at them and you think, do you know what, that girl could be me. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. A lot of people, I think, would kind of assume that if you get to the point where you need to be institutionalised... I don't know, they kind of get this idea in their head that you've gone, like, full Britney or, like, you know, kind <laughs> yeah, of, like, yeah. they think you're crazy and they, yeah. they assume that, you know, these people are just, like, completely gone, but I guess it could be any one of us, really. All it takes is just you to like, get yeah. to that point and not have the right support and you just get past a point where you just, that's what you need I to mean, get better. the sadder service, which, you know, I never worked in, but you know, I would see is even the brain injury unit because yeah. those people are everyday people. They've been in car accidents. They've yeah. fallen off buildings and, you know, and it just changes them as people, you yeah. know, and you see photos of, you know, before and, and mm-hmm. that's, that's the real heartbreak, you know, yeah. that could be anyone, you know, yeah. like anyone. That... Yeah. I think, um, probably in, on the topic of mental health, one of the areas that has the most stigma is, um, being institutionalised and yeah. kind of just this idea again with all the kind of films and TV we see American mm-hmm. Horror Story and Girl Interrupted and all that kind of stuff you, you, you have this assumption that um, somebody who's in a psychiatric hospital is a certain way but yeah like you said it, it, it could be anyone really all it takes is just like a few I don't know wrong steps by not having a support network, you know, not getting the right help when you need it, and yeah. Well, I mean, um, my auntie is a is a qualified mental health. She's actually a matron um, of a hospital in in London. She now works in a in a crisis house, and she was the one who sort of guided me to it and said, "I think you'd be, I think you'd be good," you know. And her bit of advice to me was because at the hospital that I worked at, there are people who have, who have committed crimes that are linked to their mental health. Um, yeah, quite serious crimes, and it was entirely up. She said it's entirely up to you, but my advice would be I wouldn't read what anyone has done. So for three months, I just got to know people, got yeah. to know the patients, you know what they like, what they don't like, you know how to talk to them, and then after three, four months, I was like, right, I'll now read up, you know, because um, you know some of them have unfortunately done you know terrible things, but a lot of them are victims of circumstance yeah you know and they were just unfortunately born into the wrong situation exactly. or raised in the wrong exactly. situation if you kind of like uh, aren't afforded the same opportunities as other people then you're just going to fall down mm-hmm. a path that yeah. you know a lot of people would i don't know really like find it disgusting or really frown upon it but you just kind of have to think well those people haven't had the same opportunities you've had yeah exactly and you know some of them even things like, it's almost like on a personal level, like, you know, I 
cared for one guy who like had smoked marijuana a couple of times and it affected him differently you know yeah. it just affected his brain completely differently to yeah. how it affects everyone else's and you know and forced him into his mental health problem or just sort of aroused it you know yeah. and uh, another person who alcohol affected him differently and it's just one of those things they're all personal stories yeah and you know no one well i don't believe anyone is evil pure evil you know um so again it's more nature nurture yeah, you know and, exactly. and those those two colliding really exactly but yeah i think it's important to like know that people who people who kind of end up in these places yeah there's always like there was always a, a person there at the start who could who was just like any any other person mm-hmm. yep. just things have happened to them that have led them to that situation but i think for a lot of people there's a way back and obviously having those like rehabilitation wards where you can like slowly integrate back into like the air quotes real world it's quite it's quite good so for you if there was anything that you think could be improved or changed about um that kind of environment what would it be um i mean it's difficult because they are businesses at yeah. the end of the day um and you know uh, especially they, private yeah exactly yeah. yeah so they are getting money for care you know um so it's difficult in the sense of towards the end of my time there the wrong kind of patients were being situated within the ward that I worked on who maybe weren't ready for it. Yeah. So there were becoming a few issues. Um, so I'd say probably, you know, better management of uh, incoming patients and just managing where, you know, what level they're ready for. Um, the other big one, again, just towards the end of my time, Things could be different. I do need to point that out. You know, I don't want to say it's just my personal experience. Um, numbers on wards being sort of yeah. cut down, you know, um, is a is a bit of an issue. And it's the sense of it's for the staff safety, but also the patient safety, you know, to make mm-hmm. sure that everyone's being cared for correctly. So, um, yeah, I just think, you know, some of those decisions, in my experience, are made by people who necessarily don't work on the wards. Yeah. You know, they might have done in the past, but they don't anymore. I think so. that's always the case, yeah. though, with a business. It's like, you know, the people at the top are making all the decisions, but they're not, like, in the trenches, like, yeah. dealing with the consequences of those decisions. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, I mean, all the programmes they've got are great, you know, all the all the art programs and, you know, there's uh, musicians who come to the ward and they do music programs and, you know, even just sitting down with one of the guys and playing pool, you know, um, just anything like that, that is all good and when you can do it. Um, But yeah, like I say, towards the end, I was maybe being pulled away for um, care of an individual patient as opposed to the group. Yeah. Okay, cool. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, no, not really. I mean, um, you know, I think, uh, I think the, the show you're doing is very positive and I don't think, you know, I do hope people can talk about it more. Um, you know, and I, I was listening to the previous episode with Andrea 
and you know she's quite open about it and I think it's important for people to be open about it um, you know and again people asked me about my time there and you know oh is it like one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah couldn't yeah. be any further that's, that's a good example yeah actually. couldn't be any further from uh, yeah. from where I was I actually remember when I left the job that I was working in um, to start there someone said to me have you seen that film and I haven't you know still, yeah. still haven't really to this day and they were like I think that's exactly what it'll be like and I was like oh okay you know um, any any it couldn't be any further any further yeah. from that you know maybe back in the day it was like that so it's I'm sure it depiction. was I'm sure it was um, you know my my mum used to tell me stories about like she used to um, there was like a big for anyone who's like not from Northampton there was a massive um, mental health facility I guess at the time it would have been called an asylum called St Crispin's and um, it's been like converted into like flats and mm, stuff now mm. I don't know why anybody would want to live in a flat that used to be yeah but but anyway my mum used to tell me stories about how she used to like ride a horse around there when she was a kid and you know you could hear people screaming Mm. having electroshock therapy Mm. and you know stuff like that yeah. doesn't happen anymore no I mean again they don't do electroshock therapy at the hospital yeah, like that. yeah. It's... I think I think um, it's still done but it's yes. much uh, it's much more um, well for a start there's no pain involved for the patient and I think um, it, it can be quite beneficial mm. but obviously back then it was quite unregulated yeah. and it was just pin you down and Fucking shock shock the shit out of you. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, when I was working there, it's more um, obviously medication based, but also um, cognitive brain therapy, CBT, DBT sessions, you know, um, things like that. You know, giving giving some of the management back to the patients. You know, and again, that's all part of the rehab ward that I was in. And you know, in my time there, I did get to see, you know, 10 people go back into the community and be successful, you know, and and still there, you know. Um, Like, one of the guys I cared for is a DJ in town. You know, he DJs all the time, and um, he was actually on, like, uh, Channel 4 documentary about music and mental health. You know, he was on that, and he's, like, really successful and, you know, staying out in the community. Um, the, The best thing is, again, because, you know, in my naivety when I started working there... I mean, it's a big place. There's, I mean, at the time I was there, there was 980 patients, maybe, across Fucking all the hell. services. Big, yeah. huge, huge place. Um, they're not all from Northampton, which is the really funny thing, because I just assumed, oh, yeah, they're all... But, you know, no, it's people yeah. from Scotland, it's yeah. people from... You know, and it's, it's one of these sort of specialist centres, mm. but they do have satellite sites. So there's, you know, one in Nottingham and um, yeah. Birmingham, I think, as well as another one. Yeah, it's Birmingham. Um yeah, it's uh, it's funny because um, well, it's not funny. I don't know why I say it's funny because it's not funny. But um, I think that's actually um becoming or it has been for a while quite an issue is people getting um, uh, sent to hospitals that are hundreds mm-hmm. of miles away yep. from where they actually live. So they're sent away. They're sent you know away from their family yep. if they've got any and stuff. But I guess there's only so many 
beds available yeah, and definitely. big facilities like the one that you worked at you know there's not one in every single town is it? no no country. not at all not at all so yeah it was quite interesting you know when I first like working there you know looking for after guy he's like yeah I'm from Sheffield and oh yeah I'm from Manchester and I'm from Cornwall you know yeah. and I was really like wow you know like yeah I didn't realize that I just thought yeah. it was all based based in my in my hometown so I think that's the surprising thing and then yeah like you say um you know we would get families who couldn't visit a lot because yeah. it was a long journey exactly, for yeah. them you know and that is that's that but then the patients are still funded by their home councils so they're still uh, okay. the payment does come from okay. their local place so a lot of the hold up in getting people home or nearer to home is to try and find a placement that's suitable yeah. and you know available basically yeah so you do get a lot of people who do end up staying for a maybe longer within there than yeah. they should you know so when so when uh people are kind of i don't want to say released because it's not prison but you know when they are finally kind of ready to mm. leave um i'm guessing it's not just like a uh okay see you then off you go sort of it's more of like a gradual kind of yeah i mean um so uh it's funny you say it's it's not a prison a lot of the patients I work with had come from prison. Right. Um, okay. Again, they're under a thirty-seven forty-one section. Um, I mean, most people I looked after are on a two section two or three, so that's you know um, either uh, the, themselves saying I, I should be in hospital or a doctor, the local yeah. community being like you you should be sectioned for a little while. Whereas a thirty-seven forty-one is a court order, and they tend to be a crime linked to it. So some of those people have been in the high secure prison hospitals, Broadmoor, places like that, and then they come to the hospital I worked at. Um, so, yes, yeah, some of those patients are gradually given community leave, escorted or unescorted. You know, eventually. So again, a lot of my day today would be taking someone to town you know yeah. just to see how they are and you know if if everything you know they sort of deal with it fine um because again some of the some of the the chaps have been in hospital for you know sort of five years it you must know? feel like really it's probably as scary as finding yourself in a hospital having to face a prospect of leaving yeah. and leaving yeah. behind like having 24-hour care and support and yep. then going back out on your own again. I mean, I looked after a, a, a guy who, when I got there, he, you know, I, I would take take him to town or to the coffee shop, you know, think, things like that. But, you know, he'd been within mental health services since he was 16 years old and for 10 years he didn't leave a ward, you know, because he just couldn't face yeah. it, he just couldn't bring himself yeah. to uh to leave you know like it was just too scary for him and that's the that's part of the issue for some of the guys and then eventually when they do get out um it's very stressful you yeah. know it's very stressful even just a trip to the shops can be I can you know, imagine. very stressful yeah you know? um so that is all taken into account when yeah. when people are taken into the community cool that's good because yeah i mean yeah it just must be terrifying especially when you've been in there for a really long time yeah yeah. yeah, and you know, and at the end of the day, these are adults, you yeah. know. Um, so, you know, you do have to treat people with trust and build that up, and that's exactly what yeah. they do, you know. And eventually, you know, it's okay. We, you know, you're gonna go out for an hour today. 
um, you know, that's for a few months, you get to the next level, great, you know, it's going to be an hour and a half escorted, and then eventually, you know, it builds up to, you know, one of the guys, one of the guys I looked after used to get weekend leave, you know, and he'd go home, he'd go to his home area for the weekend, you know, and he'd be yeah. back on the Sunday, so, yeah. That's you know, pretty. It's not yeah. all. Uh, it's not all like yeah. lock in a room and yeah. you're in there now. You know. So you said like there'd obviously been a guy there who'd you know been in kind of inpatient care since he was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's kind of like the average time you'd find people's kind of spending? Um, because because I um, not directly. But I know of people, you know, getting um, sent to hospital for like three months, mm-hmm. and that's it. It's not always like you you sent there and that's it. Yeah, the shortest I've known personally was two and a half months. Yeah, the longest that I've known was twenty five years, yeah. maybe thirty years. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess it's just a like person to person thing. Yeah, I guess. yeah, it just depends yeah. On the situation. I mean, and and some of the some of the patients I dealt with would get to a certain level, and then they didn't like it, and they would regress. And not, I don't want to say sabotage. Sabotage is completely the wrong word, um, but necessarily wouldn't handle the freedom they were given almost, yeah. and would. You revert back to mm-hmm. you know like I'd like to someone to come with me. You know? Yeah. Um, well, it's like that. Um, again, I don't want to compare it to prison, but it's like that. Um, sometimes um, people who have been in and out of prison get themselves into this kind of like vicious cycle mm. where as soon as they're back in the kind of real world again, using air quotes, they can't deal with it yeah. because they're so used to to being in prison. So routine. they just commit crime again yeah. and end up back there. I guess, like, yeah, having that routine yeah. is probably, like, one of the most therapeutic parts of being there. And then mm. kind of being taken away from that must be, like, really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's the routine of, you know, um, okay, breakfast is at eight every day. Um, you know, uh, the morning meeting that we would do on our ward, again, it's different for other wards, but we'd have a community meeting, get everyone in, We'd say what sessions were going on, like open. Mm-hmm. If anyone didn't have like personal sessions, they were going to, um, you know, uh, we talk about at the weekend. Like we're going to take the van out, and we're going to, you know, we can take four people out to the shopping center, you know, and things like that. So you'd put your name; they'd put their names down, and mm-hmm. so it was more just to let everyone know what's going on in the day, and then you'd have, um, you know, lunch, dinner. You got to be in your room by ten, you know. So some people really like that, you know. Yeah. They know what's when, what time medication yeah. is, you know. <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. Must be like weird to go from that to just like being left to your own devices again. Mm. And I think um, some people, you know, it's it's lonely, you know. Being sort oh, of, yeah, you know, uh, you, again, the the particular ward I worked on, we had the least amount of patients we had at one point was eight, and the most we had was fifteen. So you know, you and the age group was the youngest was twenty one, and the oldest was sixty five. So it was a real spectrum of yeah. of you know of characters, um, and you know. There were friendships. There were I don't like that person very much. Anything you know, all all like a community. So to go from that to then no one is yeah. very very lonely for some yeah. people. You know, 
Yeah. Like, and there are, you know, friendships are formed there, you know. Mm. Like, um, people fall out, you know. I used to deal with a lot of people. I'm not talking to you anymore because he took my Dr. Pepper, you know, or something yeah. like that. You know, but... I guess, like, when you're in that situation, though, just tiny things just, like, really easily get blown out of proportion. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, or I gave that guy a cigarette and he's not giving me one back. Yeah. You know, anything like that, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the difference on... My my ward was the um, you could just have access to the smoking area because on some wards they're given certain times that they're allowed to go out for a cigarette break. So you do find some people just smoke for the sake of smoking because it's like yeah. outside. I yeah. can I can like go outside or whatever. But um, yeah, a lot of our guys would quit smoking because they could just wander in and out of the uh, the ward as they'd like, you know. And they had so much sort of. Uh, community access or access even on the ground you know just taking them to the workshop or the art center or the music studios or down to um there's a there's a shop um well there's a shop within the grounds um that's like a whole foods place and next to that there's a coffee shop and patients would work in that or even just to go for the walk to that coffee shop you know just fresh air things like that you know so mm-hmm. a lot of the lads would give up smoking because they didn't need to smoke to kind of have outside, outside access, yeah. you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, pal. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. That's it. experiences and thanks again to you for listening really appreciate it um you can subscribe to the podcast rate share it it all makes a massive difference um if you want to get in touch with me you can email me on crazy talk the podcast at gmail.com or we've also got a facebook page which is at crazy talk the podcast and you can find information about help and support on there as well from people who actually know what they're doing unlike me who's just bumbling through um I'll see you again in two weeks with another episode. Take care, guys.